He was born in Ohio, but grew up in Northwest Pennsylvania. But the call of Ohio lured him back to, so that he attended Ohio University, not Ohio State University, where he spent countless hours on the marching band field. He is a divorced dad. He's got two boys who are 2018 and a daughter who's 15. And this year, he was laid off uh, from a career that does uh, 22 years, two months, and 22 days. But he's confident that that was a direct result of God's hand and direction and timing. So he's thankful for that. He's a member of Family Church, working in production, as well as he focuses on men's ministry and the worship arts. He started a Facebook group called I Am 100, kind of following the theme of the Good Shepherd leaving the 99 to get that 100 uh, lamb, where he walks and talks people through God's word. He's a man of many, many talents. He can sing, he can play guitar, he can play piano, all at the same time. <laughs> and he's a worship leader at Family Church. He was also blessed, he had this great opportunity He's on a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and he got to sing Hillsong's Oceans uh, song right there and lead them in worship. So how awesome is that? Something you may not know is that Dak used to work, this before this, his career, the 22 years, he worked at the Golf Channel. And he told us that one of the things that helped him seal that job was that he didn't like golf. So they're probably thinking, finally, we got somebody who will actually do their job and not sit there and watch Nicholson hit shot after shot. So. That's awesome. And lastly, he gave us a warning. He said that he just started a relationship with a woman who happens to be the sister-in-law of somebody at the military table. So if he happens to disappear suddenly, something went south with the relationship, we know where to start asking questions. Dax, I can't wait to hear the message that God has given you to give to us. So let me pray for you and we'll give you the mic. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for all the men here, all the men who are online, we thank you for Dax. We thank you for the, the work that you do, you're doing in him, through him, and for him. Bless him today, Lord. May he speak boldly for you. May he deliver the message that you have for us. And may we receive it. Soften our hearts so we can take this message that you have for us today. So in Jesus' name we pray. I'm Give you Dax Pearson. All right, get the timer out here. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. So uh, we're going through the Apostle Paul. We're looking at the principle of a surrendered life. So with that, I wanted to start off with um, with, with God's words. So not everybody's comfortable. Stand back up. Let's do this again. All right, so we are, we are starting with 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Okay, so that really states that God makes men by forging us into humble servants who are increasingly surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. So let me ask you, have you surrendered to God today? Just to put a little thought on that, it's a daily thing, right? Pat reminds us it's to be daily, it's to continual, it's always in love. I first accepted Christ when I was 17 years old. I decided I was going to give him the honor to get to know me. Clearly, I was a little bit misled. I didn't really get to know him until my 40s when I decided I was going to get to know him. I found myself in divorce care, trying to recover from a failed relationship. 
Three kids living in a camper of 392 square feet. Was a little tight, a little cramped. But God started to work in me, and there was a voice that popped into my head as, as the divorce chair ended, and it was saying, this sucks. Somewhere, somebody should do something about this. It wasn't going to be me. That would be stupid. But somebody should do something. So then I found myself in experiencing God with Pastor Troy. And when that, when that first class came around, I sat there with Pastor Troy, and I listened to him, and when I left, that, that voice started in my head again. I found myself at home, going to sleep, and there was a verse. It was a Bible verse that would not leave my head. And it was stuck there, and it wasn't even important enough for me at the time to sit down and, and write it down so I could look it up in the morning. So I went to sleep in this verse. I couldn't shake it. God woke me up at 3 o'clock in the morning and said, we're going to talk about this now. He woke me up with all kinds of ideas of what a men's group could do and what a men's ministry might look like. So I, I grabbed the, email, the, the, e, the iPad. I started to email Troy. I sent him a message saying that, you know, I, I think we need to do this. And I noticed the verse of the day came back in the email that morning. It was two emails prior to my send that I copied myself. That verse was the same verse that was going through my head the night before. So in that moment, I felt God talking to me. I was laughing and crying in bed at the same time. I sent that email to Troy. I got a response back. He said, should we do something now or should we just start something? So he said, no, I think we should do something now. So he gave me a couple names. And one of those names is sitting at the table here tonight. His name is Jeremy. So welcome, Jeremy. Um, I met Jeremy at a Starbucks. We texted back and forth. We had a little conversation. He walked up to me and he said, hi, I'm Jeremy. I've never met him in my life. I said, I know exactly who you are. I said, I know where you sit in church. I know how many kids you have. I know how long you've been away from the church. And he said, how do you know that? I said, because for two years, I've been sitting behind you two rows to the left, or two seats to the left. So instantly, we had a connection, and God seemed to speak to me in seemingly insignificant ways. One day, I was giving away a or selling a table online that, um, uh, that I was getting rid of stuff from the divorce, and the lady offered to pay 50 bucks. I said, that's fine. Dropped it off her house. As I was doing that, a child came out and put a sticker on my truck. I was furious, but in that moment, I'm like, I'm not gonna do this now. She tried to give her the money, I said, no thanks. So I said, put it in the collection plate at church. Offered to give her the hush as well. So we did that, and I recognized that in that moment, God was changing me. I went to the car dealership to get an oil change that day, and they wouldn't take my money because they locked the keys in the car. And I looked at the receipt, 50 bucks. God gave me the 50 bucks back, and I'm not, I'm not spouting prosperity gospel, but also saying sometimes he does stuff to get our attention. So God was turning me from a box-checking rule follower into somebody running toward Jesus. That's when I became truly baptized. When you're baptized, Matthew 5, 14 says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. When you accepted Christ, you became the light. You are on the hill. You are on display. Like it or not, he is in you. So we have a command to watch out or be watchful. We have a responsibility to stand in faith. We must decide intentionally to take action. We have an obligation to go and act like men. Not to the men of the world, not to tiptoe around, not trying to make waves, but to go out and make a noise. The biggest noise we can for the one that made the largest noise in history, for our history and for our eternity. That's who we're called to be. Our society is mistaken commitment for surrender. Culturally, we've gotten away from commitment or away from surrender and started talking about commitment. See, when I was 17, I committed my life to Christ, kind of like a parent child dedication, but I didn't understand the surrender until I was in my 40s. That's when I truly got baptized. And as Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. NLT states it a little differently. They say, I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. One's a gift, one's force. The reality is before we had the spirit in us, we were ignorant. Now that you have the spirit, you have the decision what you're going to do with that heart as to whether you're going to be stupid or not. So we were ignorant, but now we're going to try not to be stupid. Paul accepted his new heart. So with that, have you surrendered to God today?
Pat in the book talks about the awe gap, the distance of becoming, when your faith grows stronger, your sins become smaller, and you become smaller and smaller, and you realize how awesome and wonderful God is. As you surrender, you realize the distance between you and temptation is growing further um, as you intentionally strive to be more like Jesus. When I was young, my parents were divorced long before I really remembered. And I'd gone over to my dad and my stepmom's house one night, and we were sitting around the fire table, and we were having some drinks. And when I went to leave, and I went to walk back to the room I was sleeping, and I passed my, my dad in my stepmom's bedroom, and my dad was face down. For a minute, I went back thinking, is he okay? Did he pass out? My dad was on his knees. He was on broken, worn out, needing replaced knees in prayer. It was the first time I had seen surrender. My mom took me to church as a child, but it was my dad later in life that showed me what surrender looks like. So Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14, is a call to surrender to his cause. It's a call for you and I as men, and as Joe B. Martin stated, if you cannot stand up and act like a man until you bend your knee and surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Pat draws the example in his book of realizing or feeling like he was holding a duffel bag in one hand and God in the other. We know that we can't serve two masters. Isaiah 41, 13 says, For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, Fear not, I am the one who helps you. You see, he didn't actually mean literal right hand. He meant your dominant hand, the hand you hold on to the things that are most important. And what God's message is, is to let go of the world with that right hand and hold on to God. That's where he wants us to go. Paul made an active choice to surrender on the road to Damascus. Think of how the story would read if he had not surrendered. Think if he had decided not to stand firm. Think about if he had decided to just fit in with his culture instead of acting like a man. He has an unending list of his abilities to be strong and persevere. Imprisonings, beatings, floggings, being shipwrecked, facing crowds, lack of food, lack of shelter, lack of warmth, lack of clothing, being stoned, and then walking back again. So Paul let go, of, let go of his duffel bag. In starting this, I felt like I didn't have a road to Damascus story, and I still don't think I do. But God knows that I didn't need to hear that way. He chose to talk to me in a different way. I didn't have the story that, that, that um, Paul did. I didn't have the story that Shane did. But he knows how to talk to me, and my life, it came a little differently. It was a series of small sacrifices over time that added up to change me into a new man. Starting initially, reluctantly, starting a small group being invited to leave prayer, even though talking in front of people absolutely terrified me, let alone praying, walking and meditating on scripture and posting online for people to judge, to being here today talking in front of you who have considerably more wisdom and godly biblical wisdom than I. But yet I'm here. He gave me a small list of obedience decisions that I need to found myself until he helped. Two years ago, walking past the worship arts center, walking past the worship center, the family church, I passed our worship arts director. He said, how you doing? I said, I'm frustrated. And he said, why? I said, I'm frustrated because work is getting in the way the stuff I'd really rather be doing. Don't say that in the church. God will hear you. So as Dave mentioned, six months ago, I got let go. But that was God at work. And he, I get the front row seat to see him work in my life now and to go places and, and land at opportunities that I never would have been able to do. And I know that, I, through that, I know this. You are perfectly created for what God is telling you to do. You are good enough only because God will hold you by your right hand. And that's exactly who you, he created you to be. He knows how to talk to you such that you can listen and hear him if you choose to listen. That can be a crazy wild ride. Choosing surrender, not just obedience. Just as we were once all carrying the duffel bag, Pat reminds us it's our job to help each other unpack that duffel bag. He has called us to act like men. Paul followed Jesus with his life. So again, have you surrendered to God today? Back in January, I met up with Jeremy again after years of having our small group. And Jeremy pointed out to me, he said, you know, we can't change the world of today by changing the men of today. We have to change the men of tomorrow. So we decided we were going to change the name of our group from solo dads to be men. And we were going to walk with, with men of all ages from 15 and up so we can help them avoid the mistakes that we made. And we can learn to better our lives along the way. So that led to me walking in here on a Friday after deciding with Jeremy that we were going to go through 
the Bible and look at men that were in there that God used and what made them usable. I walked into Ironman on that Friday, I picked up this card. You know, this is a different color than the one you guys got. This is 2023. And when I went down, I sat there with Jesse and I sat with David Hill and I sat at the first timer's table and they went through this with me and I looked down and lo and behold, you guys are going through the Bible and you're looking at the godly men. So, so far in that year, we have looked through and seen the faith of Abraham, the perseverance of Joseph, the humility of Moses, the courage of Gideon, the heart of David, the wisdom of Solomon, the zeal of Nehemiah, the integrity of Job, the boldness of Peter, and the passion of Paul. Surrender results in becoming a servant. So let us remember that as men, we are called to do this by being watchful, by standing firm in the faith, by acting like men, by being strong, and then all that you do be done in love. God put Adam in the garden for a purpose, he put Paul on the road to Damascus for a purpose. He put you in your place for your purpose. That reminds us there's no such thing as a secular job. You are the light on the hill. You cannot be hidden. Be seen showing surrender. So have you surrendered to God today? In closing, I want to quote something that Paul or that Pat wrote in the last statement of the book, I believe. Because I am a rebel, as most men are, I realize that I must each day come humbly to the foot of the cross in a spirit of repentance and faith once again, making a full, total, and complete surrender of my life to the Lordship of Jesus. So what does the master need from you, and have you surrendered to God today? God bless you. Thank you.